Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Greensburg. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Decatur County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Friday, August 18th. It is six minutes after 10. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thank you for joining us today. His name is Rob Kendall. He's on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. I'm there at Casey Daniels 317. And we're both on YouTube right now. If you type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. So it seems like there's this thing that's going on where people are posting stuff online and then they take it down right away. Like, oh, mistake. We don't want that out there. Change it. Delete, delete, delete. Yeah. because it, it happened with the indictment with Donald Trump in Georgia, and then you had Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, mistweeting out information under the wrong account. And now, as soon as it was posted on Twitter, it was gone. And this is in regards to Project Veritas. It was tweeted out that the whole staff had been fired, and then somebody took it down really quick. But maybe they are all fired. Okay, so those of you who don't r- remember, Project Veritas... Uh, was, is, I guess maybe it still exists, who knows anymore at this point, but an organization that did all these great undercover investigations. And James O'Keefe was the main guy over there, and he was the central figure, and he would, you know, famously walk up to people. And it was almost like, uh, it was almost in many ways like Chris Hansen's To Catch a Predator, where there would be a decoy, they would get, you know, interview people, whether it was like, you know, CNN or these other corporations that exposed them. And then O'Keefe would come out and say, hey, I'm James O'Keefe with Project Veritas, blah, 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 blah. And O'Keefe got, and I forget what even the deal was now, but he got in hot water somehow with the people who run Project Veritas. It's one of those things where like he was the founder and then uh, somehow they came up with a board. And he got pushed out by the board of directors. Yes, and then he got lost control of his own company. And when he lost control of the company, there was a huge backlash because they relied a lot on donations mm-hmm. and, you know, people giving and saying, hey, I love your content. You know, here you go, blah, blah, blah. And people said, look, if O'Keefe's out, we're out too. And it would appear now, based on multiple reports of people saying that they have laid off, Project Veritas has been forced to lay off um, field ops, comms, legal, mm-hmm. um Jack Poso, he's a kind of a big follow on Twitter, says the only remaining are office administrator, HR person, and a couple development people in IT. So it would appear, if you indeed believe that report, and lots of other organizations have run reports confirming something similar to that, that... Project Veritas may be done so. Yeah. Well, this new CEO took over and people are saying that she completely destroyed the company. So investigative journalism, investigative reporting, that's a hard racket because you can sit there and investigate and try to get the truth, try to get information from people for years. And then at the end of the day, come up with nothing. Yeah. So you can spend a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money and then have nothing to show for it. And and so it, the, the other fascinating part of this, and you see this a lot, and it kind of ties into what we talked about last segment with Anheuser-Busch and the Bush family kind of mm-hmm. getting out of the, you know, the, the beverage game, et cetera. When you take a company that is built by an individual and you remove that individual 
from the company, many times it will struggle to exist. Last segment, we talked about how Ted Turner, when the AOL Time Warner merger happened and, you know, they put Ted in a corner because grandpa's time was passed. No, grandpa was still pretty good at making money and getting people to look at his network. Um, You know, this is another example of that. The guy himself was bigger than the company. And people said, if you're going to strong arm this guy out, we are not going to support you because mm-hmm. we support James O'Keefe. Yeah. Well, the the funding dried up. Yeah. Right. Uh, apparently, some of the terminations were done via Zoom with the HR person. And <laughs> it was a surprise to those that were still left at Project Veritas, which is a shock because aren't they in the business of investigating? Wouldn't they know that this is coming? Well, and it's, it's also... Um, It's a new frontier in many ways, even though the Internet's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's a new frontier in terms of how do these startup fringe type groups that become big, how do they sustain their success? And I think that's going to be the challenge, whether it's a, you know, a daily wire type of organization or, you know, Turning Point, which Charlie Kirk is running. Obviously, you know, OutKick with outkick with with clay clay travis Mm -hmm. i just think it's a new frontier and while they're doing very well seemingly right now is it sustainable is it sustainable and the intricacies of like our our brand is pretty simple right we we you me kev Mm -hmm. we show up to work each day we do a three-hour radio show our advertisers know hey you're gonna get great local content you can't get anywhere else rob's gonna go ballistic on some stuff casey's gonna be the voice of reason everybody's gonna be entertained and we're gonna get up and do it again tomorrow like you if you buy into wibc if you buy in and you're advertising which many many people do on the nine to noon show you know what you're in for you know who you're talking to you know your target audience and you know that w WIBC. Now, look, we have, are doing much better than many previous iterations of WIBC. Some did a little better than we're doing now. Radio's changed. But WIBC as an entity, short of a format change, is always going to have some sort of built-in listener base, consumer base, whatever, news talk, weather, traffic. People are just going to listen to this. So the advertising is a little more stable in terms of the revenue you bring in. Like if they came in and blew us out tomorrow, yeah, there'd be a lot of people that would be really upset, and you totally should be. But (laughs) WIBC is still going to exist, and somebody new would come in, and while their ratings might not be as high or whatever, it's still going to exist. These frontiers of the Project Veritas and the Daily Wires and the turning points, because there's so much activism built in as part of that. And it's more than just broadcasting. You know, it's, you know, elections and trying to alter, you know, elections and and candidates that are running and supporting. I mean, it's just it's just a totally different frontier. And I think Project Veritas is kind of the first high profile victim of this where if dude. If you don't know exactly what you're doing, don't do anything because the new person manning mission control did not man mission control like the last guy. No, sir. And now you're done. Yeah. 12 minutes after 10, it is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So uh, President Biden once again avoided commenting on things going on in Hawaii. He was asked uh, about his upcoming trip and he didn't want to talk about it. Can you tell us about your Hawaii trip? Oh, 
Well, it's a little bit longer than no comment. This time we got no, I don't want to talk about it. Why doesn't he want to talk about it? Does he not have his note cards in front of him? Does he not know what's going on? Why does not does he not have the mental capacity to say anything reasonable about the largest wildfire in this country? 111 people perished in this. This man can't put a sentence together saying anything about it. Do you want to talk about it? No. Um, when Trump was still on Twitter, one of our favorite reads we had, and we used this for years and years, was he ended some tweet. I don't even remember what it was or was about, but we loved this because it ended with, I said no, <laughs> exclamation point. Mm-hmm. And for years and the years in the hall, Hammer and Nigel and I used to say that at each other and, and, <laughs> and laugh. And he literally just did it. Mm-hmm. I said no. No. <laughs> Except he's like he's not being wacky on Twitter. This is the president asked about, hey, Palski, there's a horrific uh, natural disaster going on in one of your states. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us what you plan to do when you get there on Monday? No. No. Does he not know? And the interesting thing is this was a video and Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, was standing just a few feet away from him. And you can visibly see her leaning in to hear his answer. <laughs> So she can tweet tweet it. She's going to have to tweet it or she's going to have to answer for what he just said. And maybe is is that why he's not saying anything? Because they they don't want to have to go back later and clean it up. All right. uh, Let's take a break. When we come back, by the way, we still got to get to the uh, on-demand abortion activist uh, advocate activist slash advocate, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is still very angry at, at me. For some reason, it was your fault yesterday. Sure it was. And, and uh, you're getting a free pass on this. Mm-hmm. But she's very angry I'll, at me. I'll allow it. I'll let her be angry at you. That's fine. No, part of the fun is them getting angry <laughs> at you, Casey. Uh, and you're not getting to share in any of the joy. Uh, we'll get to that. She's still hate-tweeting at us. and uh, But when we come back... of registered voters think we should be doing less in Ukraine, and that is way up from the start of the year. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. 19 minutes after 10, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the... Ukraine war rages on, and now two-thirds of American voters think it's it's not good that... uh, we should be doing less, sending less money. And of course, this on the heels of the Biden administration asking for another $24 billion in emergency defense funds. Yeah, so Fox News had an interesting poll that just came out. And in the poll, 36% of registered voters think the U.S. should be doing less when it comes to Ukraine. So that is, well, you know, you do the math, 33% is one third. So now more than one third of American uh, voters think we should be doing less. And that is up 10 points Mm -hmm. since December. So that is a real sign that maybe people are beginning to look around and go, what the hell are we doing here? And where is all of our money going? And what are we getting for our money? And most importantly, when will we be done Mm -hmm. with the never-ending magical money fountain that keeps uh, has a direct pipeline to Ukraine? So a lot of people struggling financially and becoming more skeptical of what's going on there. And is it worthwhile? I thought it was also interesting in this report that uh, 66% of these people think that Ukraine will survive this Russian invasion and remain independent 
regardless of what we're doing. Also, what's interesting in this poll is, so when this poll was taken in December, 29% said we should be doing more. That's now 21. 36%, as we said, uh, 26% said less in December. That's now 36. So basically all of those people flipped and they just bypassed same. And so that shows the trajectory it's going in. Same is still 40%, same, same as it was, no pun intended, in December. And the question you have to ask yourself as a voter, as a citizen of this country is, are we going to be the world's policemen? And if the answer is yes, then you're getting exactly what you want. And this will never stop anywhere. There'll always be a new cause du jour and it'll be money. Sometimes it'll be troops. Sometimes it'll be a mixture of both. And that's what we do. If we're not going to be the world's policemen, which a rational person I think realizes we can't be the world's policeman, then what are we doing here? And is there any instance you can think of post-World War II other than maybe the first Iraq war where you said our involvement in fill in the blank worked out really well in terms of major military conflict? I'm not talking about someplace where we just sent troops in a peacekeeping mission of some sort. I'm talking about like active military involvement where you said, boy, that was really efficient. That was really well run. Uh, we got the exact desired result. And I'm um, we as Americans could be glad we're, we're there. You certainly can't say that about Afghanistan. You currently can't, certainly can't say that about Vietnam. You certainly can't say that about Iraq. And there's many other areas where we just threw money at problems. And it didn't solve anything. So why do we keep doing it? Well, I think the big thing that people are really waking up to is the fact that Joe Biden came out and said he's sending $700 uh, per family in Hawaii, yet we're sending billions and billions of dollars across the world to help Ukraine. And do you remember that omnibus bill at the end of the year last year that was just full of just, you know, money printing left and right? Part of that bill was that we're sending money to the country of Jordan for them to build a, uh, a wall. A border wall oh. to protect their borders. Now, when you real quick, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when you talk about the omnibus bill, mm-hmm. you're talking about the bill that Todd Young and Mitch McConnell <laughs> mm-hmm. teamed up with Chuck Schumer and Bernie Sanders to pass. Yeah. And they what, everything was in there, yeah. including the kitchen sink. And right. That's, and that's the one where Mitch and so by default, Toddy, because Mitch is Toddy's adult supervision, said Ukraine is the most important thing in the world to the uh, National Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one. So in that bill, there's uh, millions of dollars for a border in the city of Jordan or the country of Jordan, right? So clearly, we think that that works. Yes, that's a that's a policy. That's a that's a retention. That's successful. It works there, and we can pay for it there. Why are we not doing that for our own country? Because. Well, I mean, are you asking that facetiously or are you I was asking, asking you wanna... it facetiously, but uh, if you have an answer, I'd well, love to hear it. Well, the answer is both sides are wholly invested in illegal immigration for different reasons. Republicans want it for cheap labor for their big business buddies, and the Democrats want them because they want a reliable, a generation of reliable Democrat voters dependent upon government services. And so when you have two sides in cahoots together, now they do this little dinner theater where they, 
you know, complain to each other back and forth and call each other names. And But unless you're Donald Trump, I mean, nothing ever actually happens to you. Uh, I threaten you with this and I threaten you with that. Because they're the same, you know, it's the thing from The Office where, you know, uh, Pam's going, it's it's the same picture. It's I the mean, same it's, picture. It's the, I mean, they're the same people. And yeah. I think, and I have seen this uh, in mass here since I started at this radio station. I think we talked about this. When I first started here, it was like, who the hell is this guy? And how dare he be on WIBC bad-mouthing Republicans? And over time, and we get these phone calls and emails all the time from people, and more and more by the day, people say, when you started here, I hated you. Or when you started here, I turned the radio off. When you started here, I thought you were crazy. But you just keep being right about these Republicans and who they are. And this is another example in which Mitch McConnell and Todd Young told you the who you Hoosier, you a voter, you a taxpayer, that the never ending unaccountable mess in Ukraine was their absolute top priority. Listen to them when they tell you stuff. So for some reason, people don't listen when these people tell you Mitch McConnell said it with his own two measly, awful, corrupt little lips that Ukraine was the most important mm-hmm. thing. Believe him. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what Greg Pence is saying or Mike Pence, rather. That's what he's saying as well. And he wants to be your president. So if he's saying it's the most important thing, do you think he's going to stop saying that? No. If he's elected? No. No. He's just going to get angry at you if you call him out for his bullcrap, and then Mm -hmm. he'll badmouth you in in the case of Tucker Carlson, your very successful media career, because, well, Mike Pence didn't have a very successful media career. Oh, did I say that out loud? Hey, it's the Kendall and Casey Show. When we come back, we got voicemails, plus Mm -hmm. the on-demand abortion advocate. She is very, very, very... Very, 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 very upset. And I don't know why, because she wants abortion without limits. So why is she mad at us? It's lewd, she said. She's called us lewd. We'll get into it. It's coming up from 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my... Oh, this could be a really wild and wacky segment. And uh, we got to talk about the on-demand abortion advocate uh, who is just very upset at us. It's all your fault. This one was all you. Okay. Uh, But let's do... This is voicemail, so let's do this first. Uh, We got a... Lovely call from a uh, longtime listener of the show about uh, uh, some comments we made on Mike Pence, and I did want to address this because I think this person asks a, a fair, uh, fair question. And uh, so let's play his call, and then we'll answer it. Hello, Rob and Casey. This is Tom from Brazil again. Hey, I've been listening to your show, and you play this tape, uh, this uh, from Mike Pence down in Georgia, right before the January sixth. And you're very critical of him, and he deserves every bit of your criticism. I wouldn't vote for him for dog catcher. But to be fair, when, during that speech, he did say, we will hear the objections and listen to the, uh, uh, what is it, the, the, the evidence, or look at the evidence. And as far as I know, there was no objections put up, and there was no evidence offered during the confirmation hearings. So, you know, does, does, is he right? I mean, you know, does he deserve all the criticism for not stopping the vote, for not uh, 
for not uh, canceling the uh, the election results. Just just a thought. You guys keep up the good work, man. You guys are great. Love listening to you. Okay, so first of all, they basically stopped the whole thing once the January 6th stuff happened and just said, we're done here, approve the thing, let's go home. Yeah. There were many, many people who objected to this, and it is, I mean, it is ludicrous to think it's something as complex as election and election fraud that in a one or two hour hearing, you're going to, well, Ben Matt, this is not Ben Matlock. Sure, it's the, not going to be wrapped up we, in 28 minutes. Right. However, there were, Pennsylvania is a great example, in which members of the Pennsylvania state government were waving their hands going, hey, wait a second. This is complete bullcrap. What happened here? We're not talking about like fringe tinfoil hat people. We're talking about elected people inside the Pennsylvania state government. We're saying we didn't approve this. We, th- this wasn't legal. This this uh, this governor and secretary of state just came out and snapped their finger. We didn't approve. We have no accountability for this whatsoever. So that many many people objected. And again, even if they hadn't. Okay, let's just live in a world where there was nobody was objecting. Of course, it's ludicrous because Democrats objected in 2016 as well, which conveniently never gets mentioned. But let's just pretend no one had objected. Then how in the world does Mike Pence, and I told you we were going to get our good out of this audio, didn't Mm -hmm. I, Casey? Mm -hmm. On January 4th. So everybody knows this is not the day after the election. This is January the 4th. Mike Pence is the vice president of the United States. He's in constant contact with Donald Trump. He clearly knows every person in the country knew Trump was going to object to the election on January 6th. And people, congressmen, et cetera, were going to object on January 6th. So on January 4th, Mike Pence goes to Georgia Mm -hmm. and says this. You know, I'm here because I stand with President Donald Trump. And I'm here because we stand with Senator David Perdue and Senator Kelly Leffler. You know, I know we all we all got our doubts about the last election. Oh. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. Oh, not too concerned. Voting irregularities. Come this Wednesday, Uh we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. But tomorrow is Georgia's day. So he had every opportunity right mm-hmm. there on January the 4th. Mm-hmm. If indeed there was nothing he could do, if it was a fait accompli, signed, sealed, and delivered, to stand up in front of those people, to man up, to put some hair on his peaches, and say, hey, we're here for Leffler and David Perdue, and we all got to go vote for them to save this government because this thing is donezo, and nothing's going to happen on, on January the 6th. And I've just got to rubber stamp this. That's my whatever phrase he wants to use, my oath or my constitutional duty or whatever. Mm-hmm. He certainly didn't do that. Nope. And it's not like he got any additional information between January 4th and January the 6th. He told those people that because that's what he thought they wanted to hear. The same way as he's saying now what he actually thinks. He hates Donald Trump. Mike Pence hated Donald Trump from the moment he agreed to be his vice president. And his wife certainly couldn't stand Donald Trump. And Mike Pence did it because that's what the Pence family always does. The path of least resistance that will help them the most politically. Absolutely. He said that he had concerns. And I'm really curious because at the beginning of the show at 9 o'clock, we started off and we heard from Donald Trump. And he said he's calling for everybody else to drop out of the race. Uh, Is he specifically talking about Mike Pence, who, by the way, right now, 
as we speak, is in Atlanta speaking at the gathering, which is a conservative conference. And I'm really curious if he's going to address any of this. Uh, if anybody will bring up, hey, do you remember that one time on January 4th when you were here and you said you had concerns? Okay, speaking of uh, people that we are now just laughing at, mm. uh, our, our old Palski, uh, on-demand abortion advocate, Destiny Wells, mm-hmm. she has like, spent much of the day yesterday continuing to tweet about me, Yeah, and she's mad at me mm-hmm. for something that you did. Well, I mean, it's not really fair that I got punished for this. It's not something holy that I did. Well, she's very. We were in in there together. Well, so if you missed the last couple shows, (laughs) I had the great misfortune of having to spend time on television with on-demand abortion advocate Destiny Wells. You may remember her. She lost terribly to Diego Morales Mm -hmm. in the Secretary of State's race last year. And uh, on-demand abortion advocate Destiny Wells uh, was very, very upset that she had to spend any sort of time with me and made many very rude and snide comments. And so we talked about them on the show and we talked about her on-demand abortion advocacy, which Mm -hmm. again, Casey, if you are for killing a baby from conception to live birth and you've never offered any restrictions whatsoever that you support, what what, what am I supposed to call that? An on-demand fetus brain sucker? I mean, like, what what am I supposed to call you other than an on-demand abortion advocate? Yeah. Because that's what it is. Absolutely. And so I don't know why she's mad at me for pointing out what her policy position is. Destiny, I would love if your position was, I am 100% pro-life from conception mm-hmm. to live birth. I'd love to call you a pro-life advocate, Destiny Wells. But I can't, I can't do that. Right. And so she posted this very bizarre picture tweeting at me where she tried to pretend like she wasn't listening. listening. And people were just, you know, just even though we never named her, people were just flooding her with messages, which I had no idea. We had so many uber liberal people listening to this show, which that's very cool. Uh, but she had it was a pro-abortion post Mm -hmm. she said that uh someone's uh, someone's obsessing about me and my abortion advocacy in the radio again Uh and then she put a picture she's driving she's smiling and um her child is in the back and i had said now i was gonna let it go let's point out to everyone did we not did we not have this conversation we did and i said i'm gonna let that go because that's super weird that you would do an abortion post with your kid in the background yep but let's also point out she is telling people look at me in this photo Mm -hmm. it's not like we like found this photo laying on the floor somewhere she's putting it on social media going look at me look Mm -hmm. at me look at me so we're looking at you right and we think it's super weird and creepy that you are posting a photo of your kid while you're advocating for abortions yes and i casey will be the we were gonna let that go yeah i I, I said look i i just you know there's many other ways we can point out how sick and disgusting it is to be an on-demand abortion advocate Mm -hmm. um and we don't need to mention that. And so we let it go. And then the next day you said, that is super creepy. We need to point this out. It stuck with me. And more and more people that I talked to, they had mentioned it too, that they thought that's interesting. That's weird. It's icky that you're putting your child on a post that you're talking about abortion. And yet she yesterday just kept rage tweeting at me. And then, I wasn't even the one who started at that time. You were the one who said we had to talk about it. Yeah. And you know, I'm always willing to, you know, walk through that door. But I... 
I feel like she should at least be rage tweeting at Casey Daniels 317 <laughs> a little bit. You want me to take some of this heat? Uh, should we read? Should we do a dramatic reading of I'm some of her? I'm a girl. I can handle it. Some of her tweets at us. Yeah. So, Kev, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read two of these. It's a long string of thoughts from on-demand abortion advocate Destiny Wells. Who's not listening, by the way. No, she's definitely not listening. Um, and so I'm going to, I'll tell you when I want to stop because I do want to address something that she said. And so, Kev, you're a trained professional. You'll be able to play along. All right, Kev, are you ready? Also, what transpired before and after a taped TV segment with him was merely banter. She said that was a blowhard. (laughs) Didn't know that was banter. However, at Robin, Kendall is too thin-skinned to hold space with a woman. Casey, are you a woman? Yes. All day. Every day. I worked with... Born that way. You for a year and a half. Mm Mm-hmm. Worked with Mock for... Over a year. Yeah. Worked with the other Daisy for yeah. a year. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm too skinned thin skinned old place space with a woman. Yeah. I don't want to, quote, suck the brains out of fetuses, as he claims. And I find the language to be lewd, especially for radio. Oh. Okay, so she's very concerned about the language. Now, Casey, I'm going to go, and I went to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops to find this information. Okay. Casey, are you aware of what partial birth abortion is? I'm, well, well, I mean, a, not not intimately, no. Well, but Absolutely not, are you, no. Are you aware what happens during a partial, partial birth abortion? Because she's very mad about the lewd language I'm mm-hmm. using. I'm about to read to you. Now, this is from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Quote, The doctor delivers a substantial portion of the living child outside the mother's body, the entire head in a head-first delivery, or the trunk past the navel in a feet-first delivery, then kills the baby by crushing his skull or removing his brain by suction. So, if you are for abortion without limits, you are for sucking the brains out of a defenseless fetus. Now, destiny, if you have some limit to abortion that you haven't expressed in the entire time you were running for public office or today, then why don't you let everybody know what limits you have for abortion? You know what's lewd? Murdering a a defenseless baby. Not language describing what you are for. Advocating for. Yeah. I am not the lewd one here. The lewd, and that isn't even a word that begins to, to, to cover it, is for slaughtering innocent, defenseless babies who have a right to life. You know what's lewd? Saying that that's health care. Keep going. I don't know if he'll drag this out a third morning in a row, but I do know that at this point... I am entirely uncomfortable with this lewd language and false statements. Lesson for everyone. Don't play chess with a bird-brained pigeon. (laughs) Well, here's the deal, Destiny. We're going to keep talking about this because we believe in life and we believe in the right to life. And we believe that these defenseless, innocent babies who have done absolutely nothing wrong, have the right to live. And I'm sorry 
if you think me telling our super big audience what you are in favor of is lewd. If you think that's lewd, then maybe you need to look in the mirror. Maybe the problem is you and not the person on the radio telling people what you are for. If there is some abortion restriction you support, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Because I watched your campaign for an entire year and you were firmly in the no restriction club from everything I saw. So if there's some restriction, not that that would make any of it okay, let us know. Or if you want to let this go, we can be done here. But we are going to keep talking about what you and the Democrats are for, which is for on-demand abortion from conception to live birth. She said uh, three hours ago, thinking I may not take a seat and pipe down, thinking I may run again. Great. You can lose to Diego Morales by 14 points again. Wonderful. Fabulous. Can't wait. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Ten minutes away from 11, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and here he comes, ready for the big weigh-in. So, last time we spoke, and I waddled my big fat rear end into the studio, Mm -hmm. I weighed 271 pounds. Yes. And it was at that point that I looked at Rob Kendall, and I said, I would rather pay you money then live another day this grossly obese. So we started the weigh-in challenge again. Mm -hmm. And what I love is that some listeners of this program, yours and mine, have said, you know what, screw it, we're going to do it with you. So if you're involved in this, today is weigh-in day. We always weigh in (laughs) on Friday. Feel free to post your scale pictures and whatnot. We'll do this together. But my goal is to lose 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. And each week, I will come in here, I will step on this scale, and if I tie Tie or lose, all right, survive in advance. But if I gain in any way, yeah. I have to put $5 into a pot that Rob will blow on a uh, waitress at Applebee's. <laughs> and I get three timeouts. It's a year-long deal. So your timeout is like your cheat day? So I get three timeouts to use at my disposal. Okay. If I've had a bad week and I want to burn a timeout, it's like a basketball game. If the other team goes on a 10-0 run, you call a 20. You call a timeout. So... I'm thinking Thanksgiving is probably going to be a timeout. Maybe Christmas is going to be a timeout. <laughs> and then I'll have one left. And I'll save that for the uh, the big finish here. Okay, you ready? All right, 271 is what we got to beat. Let me waddle on over here. Rob, you got the play-by-play. Hi, <laughs> uh, Amber's getting up. Pulling up his pants. Moving towards the uh, <laughs> scale. Crazy, it's crazy. <laughs> What do we got? Let's go! Yeah? Let's go! What's that number? What's that number, Brownsburg Skippy? Looks like you lost 10 pounds. Are 10 you pounds, kidding? baby, in one week. 10 pounds? And I even had pizza last night, too. What? Yes, How ma'am. How are you doing that? Well, we talked about this before. My metabolism is wacky. I can lose weight fairly quickly, but I can gain it pretty mm-hmm. quickly. There's a good chance I could pick up five pounds by Saturday. <laughs> like, it's just the way that, you know, this body is made. 
It's well, weird. Good luck. Keep going. We're counting on you. Well, thank you. So we're, we're you're gonna have out. to you're gonna have to get like a smaller size in the Hammer and Nigel store <laughs> for all right. your shirts. And thank you for the plug. The store is coming along great. Uh, store.hammerandnigel.com. Uh, get your merch and uh, represent the show. We're going to have another night with WIBC coming up at some point, and I want to look out in the crowd and see everybody with a Hammer and Nigel shirt or hat. Mm-hmm. On. Sounds good. Okay, have you heard? about this trading card the jaw how do you say his name john morant john morant okay so he, he loves the firearms yes so apparently he's uh, been trending a lot lately so he's got this basketball card right and over the past 48 hours it was discovered that michael Orr's parents the Tuies, sean and leanne Tui, are in the picture so they're like in the background. Ba- in the background. So that kind of reminds me of that Mark Jackson basketball card from right. back in the day when Mark Jackson was playing on the Knicks. And I think it's like an NBA hoops card. And in the background, sitting courtside, is the Menendez brothers. Right. Same like, thing. And this is after, I believe, they've killed uh, their parents. So this is kind of the same deal there. Yeah. Okay. So... His card was trading for $55, an ungraded card. And now that it's been discovered that the Tuies are in the background, people are paying upwards of $550 for his basketball card. That's ridiculous. That's over the top. I got to be honest, though, this whole Michael Orr blindside story doesn't move the needle for me because I don't necessarily like any of these people. Now, did the Tuies <laughs> try to railroad him? I don't know. But Michael Orr, he's coming out saying they never explained to me what a conservatorship was. In his own book in 2011, mm-hmm. he wrote that they explained to him what a conservatorship was. He was happy to be part of the family. It's what happens when you're over the age of 18. So unless he's going with the Charles Barkley defense of, I was misquoted in my own autobiography, Michael Orr is full of crap. Maybe the Tuies are too, but I don't like anybody in this story. And don't you think it's interesting that this information just came out in February of this year or that he's just now taking them to trial? Yeah, the whole thing stinks. And the Tui family doesn't need money. Uh, I wouldn't think that Michael Orr would need money unless he's blown all of his NFL stock. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that's not the case. The timing is weird. And for him to come out and say, they never told me what a conservatorship really means. Well, in your own book that you released in 2011, you go into very vivid detail that not only did they tell you what it was, they explained it and walked you through it. Something's fishy. Okay, now the thing that I don't completely understand is the Tuies have nothing to do with John Morant. So why is this baseball card more valuable now that this unrelated couple from a different sport even are in the background of a trading card? Well, I mean, the Menendez brothers had nothing to do with Mark Jackson, and it's just when these people reached the peak of their mm-hmm. popularity. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this is the peak for the two weeks, because the movie was big. Yeah. And they were, you know. They probably already reached their peak. Right, but they're back in the news cycle now, and everybody's talking about it, and still, my favorite baseball card of all time is the Billy Ripken baseball card, Rob. You remember what I'm talking about? There's uh, something written on the bat handle. <laughs> Just do a Google search on Billy Ripken baseball card. What do you have coming up today? Uh, beer sample Friday. I'm going nice. to put some of this weight back on. <laughs> Thanks, Hammer. You're listening to Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC.